welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I am doing part two tonight. If you missed Sunday, well, dang it. You have no idea what I'm talking about tonight. No, I'm kidding. We're on a series called that right there. That one don't have anything on it. This one right here. Are you, <laughs> are you a wall builder or a temple builder? You don't know yet, so just face it. Yeah, it's true. You were listening, weren't you? Say, I'm both. Say, I don't know how to do a thing. But he does. I talked about on Sunday, just a quick recap, that there's a tension because on the earth today that you're operating right now in dualistic roles. A lot of roles. Don't you love it? I love how God creates humanity to expand Him on the earth. That's what you're here for. I know you thought you were here to get Andy's ice cream later. No, no, no. Say no to Andy's. I talked about how that we're first going, our first measure in this series is to understand that we are all watchmen over our own lives. Agreed? And remember I talked about on Sunday that how can a watchman be on the wall if there's no wall? And we also talked about that the wall represents your truth, your truth about God. Right? I've had I've heard a few stories already, right? About how fun that's been. So we're going to continue on. I want us to turn to Ezekiel 33. And yeah, let's start there, shall we? Now, a watchman is a position that God created. Okay? We didn't create that. Don't you, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I get up every day is just to make him known. You? And I like, don't you like to run into someone who doesn't know him like you know him? Right? And it's fun to begin to see that you're able to dissect this image of God that they have. You know, when God called me to minister, he said, to me, I want you to make me known the way you know him. And I <coughs> I was, Pam and I were doing construction many, many years ago, and there was a lady that got our phone number from somebody, and I guess that's how they all get it, isn't it? Um, and, and she was the chief operating officer at St. Anthony's Hospital downtown. And she lived in um, Heritage Hills. And I've told you snippets of this story before. But we were at her house, and she was a go-getter. She was on the go. So she'd fly in, fly out. And one of the things that we 
she asked us to come do for her was that she wanted us to pick the ceiling color because I'm a colorist. So that's, you know, I kind of have a reputation to distinguish colors. So she asked me to come pick this color. And so she had these five whites laid out. Come on. Five whites. <laughs> and she wanted me to pick which one was going to be on the ceiling. And right then, I was thinking, she's a controller. That's what I was thinking. And I, I made this statement to her. If I painted this ceiling any one of these five whites, when you got home, you wouldn't be able to tell which one I had picked. They were so similar. But on that day, I stood out in front of her house, and I said these, those words, one day she's going to know God like me. Now, see, a prophetic voice on the earth, you know, in Amos, let's read that. This is, you don't have to turn there, okay? The eternal Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. That tells me a lot of stuff. I don't even comprehend why God would need to tell me anything. Come on. That's the first stage of humility. He chooses, and listen, let me help you. Everybody in here is a prophet, okay? I know y'all get messed up there, but just let me help you. Just, just, let's just make some absolutes. Can you hear his voice? Everybody can hear his voice. It's not a thing. You were meant to hear his voice. You were meant for him to reveal to you why you're here and for you to go about obeying what he says you need to do while you're here. So he puts you in places that are way above your pay grade as a prophet. They're way, I mean, way uncomfortable, way, right? Like he puts you in places where that are intimidating to you. And he says, I need you to tell some truth here. Let me read you the story of Ezekiel, and you'll love it. I'm sorry, I have 4,000 scriptures, so I don't even really know where that one is. Hold on. I'm sorry, it's just not right, is it? What did I say it was, Ezekiel 33? Oh, boy. Here, I feel like it's coming right here. Mm-hmm. There it is. See, I knew I had it. God's message. This is uh, entitled, You Are a Watchman. Ezekiel 33. I'm going to read it in the message just because the message makes me laugh. God's message came to me. Son of man, speak to your people. <laughs> That's funny already. Tell them, if I bring war on this land and the people take one of their citizens and make him their watchman, and if the watchman sees war coming and blows the trumpet warning the people, then anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet and ignores it, war comes and takes him off. It's his own fault. That's just truth right there. He heard the alarm. He ignored it. It's his own fault. The message. If he had listened, he would have saved his life. Good, right? Are y'all with me? Okay, hang on. This is a fun story, okay? 
But if the watchman sees war coming and doesn't blow the trumpet, warning the people, and war comes and takes anyone off, I'll hold the watchman responsible for the bloodshed of any unworn sinner. Oh, it's getting more serious now, isn't it? You're good with the first one, right? Or didn't you feel pretty confident? Like, yeah, I just told him. I told him. You, son of man, are the watchman. I've made you a watchman for Israel. The minute you hear a message from me, warn them. If I say to the wicked, wicked man, wicked woman, you're on the fast track to death and you don't speak up and warn the wicked to change their ways, and the wicked will die unwarned in their sins, and I'll hold you responsible for their bloodshed. But if you warn the wicked to change their ways, and they don't do it, they'll die in their sins well-warned, and at least you will have saved your own life. Son of man, speak to Israel. Tell them, you've said our rebellion and sins are weighing us down. We're wasting away. How can we go on living? Tell them, as sure as I am the living God, I take no pleasure from the death of the wicked. I want the wicked to change their ways and live. Turn your life around. Reverse your evil ways. Why die, Israel? There's more, son of man. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. There's always more. Tell your people... A good person's good life won't save him. When he decides to rebel, and a bad person's bad life won't prevent him from repenting of his rebellion. A good person who sins can't expect to live when he chooses to sin. It's true that I tell you, good people live, be alive. But if they trust in their own good deeds and turn to evil, that good life won't amount to a hill of beans. <laughs> They'll die for their evil life. On the other hand, if I tell a wicked person, you'll die for your wicked life, and he repents of his sin and starts living a righteous and just life, be generous to the down and out, restoring what he had stolen, cultivating life-nourishing ways that don't hurt others. He'll live. He won't die. None of his sins will be kept from the books. He's doing what's right, living a good life. He'll live. Your people say, the master's way isn't fair. But it's the way they're living that isn't fair. When good people turn back from living good lives, good lives, and plunge into sin, they'll die for it. And when a wicked person turns away from his wicked life and starts living a just life he'll come alive that's a good story isn't it i was when i was talking to the lord today he was reminding me that there's real evil in the world but you're not it let's go home you're not it you're the answer to the evil. You're not the evil. I don't know who that's for today because I was like, that was a no-brainer to me. But I felt like he really wanted me to start tonight with that truth that there, are, it, there is injustice going on 
injustice going on, injustice going on, whichever, in the world. And you didn't do it all. But you're here tonight just getting a little bit of training because, see, leaders need training because in different eras of God's unfolding of this thing called salvation, we need to learn different tools to do different things at different times. In my childhood, we just learned that there was inner healing. We just learned that we didn't want to be under the religious spirit. We didn't even know it. And see... What I had to do is I had to begin to learn the difference between what God was telling prophetic people and what the message was. If you can hear it in this story tonight, maybe you can't hear it, but he was telling him, there is stuff that you're going to see and I want you to say something about it. Now I propose to you, uh, listen, I mean, just the whole meaning of the word watchman it means to lean forward. I think that's a great definition. How many of us have been like this? Whoa. You know, in Revelations, it talks about John and the angel came and he gave him this scroll and he said, eat it. And it said, it's going to taste like honey, but it's bitter in your stomach. Why is it bittersweet? Because the moment that I receive truth, I'm happy. I'm like, yummy. Lynn made us some homemade rolls last night. Yummy. Honey was running around and sticking up all over the table. It was delicious, right? But listen, why it's bittersweet is because now I'm responsible with the truth. Do we want to be? I want to be, I want to come out of the religious spirit and I want to now tell people that are in the religious spirit, that's the religious spirit. I want to do that. Do you? See, he's looking for a partner. Oh, you don't believe me. I can tell you need more convincing. Let's turn to, let's get some convincing. Clear you need it. First Corinthians three. I could read a bunch here. It's one of my favorite chapters, but let's do nine. We are co-workers with God. This is the passion. And you, say me, me. are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. Listen, I have done tons of remodeling, more than any of y'all probably in here, because I'm old. Now listen. There's two ways to remodel. You can do the slap the paint on the pig. That's what I call it. (laughs) And see, Pam and I don't believe in that. So we're the take it down to the studs girls. We're the let's move some walls around because this is a crazy architectural thing going on here. Right? I have never... Remodeled a house that I didn't move some walls. Why? It's a principle. The new thing coming in can't fit in this same architectural design. It's a spiritual principle. Listen to me. Whenever you didn't know God, whenever you did know Him a little bit, 
Whenever you realize I'm a leader, when you realize I'm a prophetic leader, stuff needs to be shifted around. There's some walls that need to come down. There's some new things that need to be erected. Quit trying to stick God in the old little box. And so as a watchman, I'm, I am in a higher place. My truth should build up a place where I look out and I see what's coming against me personally first. When I learn to overcome what's coming at me personally, he'll make me corporately responsible. Listen, the calling of God is irreversible. You can run, you can hide, you can ignore, but he is the hound of heaven. You can be Jonah, you'll be swallowed up by a fish. You can be Gideon, and he will tell some guy that's an enemy a dream about you. He will keep and tell. It is unrelenting because the time that is your time, he intends for you to fulfill your calling. He's unrelenting. (laughs) Pam will be 60 this year. I met her at her 30th birthday. And she had had a wreck. In a nice car. And the man drove off. And she heard her wheat. Her head. Her heed. The first miracle Pam saw was he healed her. Not her heed, but her innards. Our intersection became the moment of her realizing God's called her to be a prophetic intercessor. But it didn't, we didn't have that conversation first day. Our first conversation was just that there was actually evil in the world. She didn't believe me over catfish. She did not believe that there was evil in the world. Do you see that it's this progression of your calling takes intentional time and you are his cultivated garden and he is weeding and weeding and weeding because you're in the weeds. Remember that message I talked about in the weeds and fully blown? Those weeds just happen. You know, we just moved into this new house, and I don't know what those people were thinking. They just kept watering the weeds. The whole entire lawn is a weed. It looks real pretty. It's got those little white flowers in it. They're all weeds. So now, guess what? We've started the process because we don't like those weeds of de-weeding. That's not an easy process. It's going to take years. It's going to take... Years. See, my problem is if I think I'm going to do it by next summer. The problem is when God's called you to a new place, you don't know what you're doing. You're not going to know it all by next summer. I'm sorry. Let me be the first to tell you. John Paul Jackson said it takes 12 years to make a profit. I'm pretty much in agreement with him. He's dead and gone. I would start now. Your 12 years starts now. Go. But you know what he does? He puts you in a place that's above your educational level spiritually. And he makes you practice there. 
If you're intimidated, he'll take you back down to the 7-Eleven level. It's okay. Because why? He's, listen, let's keep reading. Verse 10, I have so much to say. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder. One who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes along and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. So see, this is such a good analogy for me. As remodelers, we have a standard. A lot of people have told us our standard's a little bit excessive. But it's our standard. So... When I go to sell my old house, which we're doing, and the inspector comes in and he can't find anything wrong. (laughs) You see, it's because the standard was met. Let someone inspect you, not you. You can't smell your own bad breath, I'm telling you. You need constant inspection to see if you're building right. Wouldn't you hate to build something for a long time and then someone come in and say, it's all crapped out. I would hate that. Listen, I built something with God. I was so faithful. I was the Pharisee's brother. Me and Sidwell both. I was. I didn't know it. I mean, the prodigal's brother, sorry. You knew what I meant, because I've told that story before. They don't know. They've never been here. So, (laughs) listen, I was. I was the prodigal's brother. I didn't know it. I remember when someone first told me I was the prodigal's brother. See, that's why we need constant, because the weeds just grow up. The sprinkler system is sprinkling our yard. But it's only sprinkling weeds. There's no grass there. Think about your life for a minute. That's really what he's doing. He puts you in a situation that's way above your anointing to you. That's what, he was, that's what happened with Ezekiel. If you go back to the very first chapter of Ezekiel, he was 30 years old, basically in jail. What happened at 30 years old? That's when the Levites were made priests, but he was in jail. So on his 30th birthday, he began to see visions. Listen, things begin to happen, and God begins to reveal stuff, and it begins to become apparent to us, this is way above me. This is way more than what I know right now. That's a good thing. Let's jump down. It says, do you realize, verse 16, that together you have become God's inner sanctuary? Who's the together? Us. The ecclesia. Do you want to be the ecclesia? Listen, I am telling you, there's going to be a whole powerful move of ecclesia on the earth. It's going on right now. I don't know if you know about it. Come be a part of what he's doing because he wants to transform wherever you go with your anointing. I can't go where you go. Listen, at the end of the day, the difference between Old Testament prophets and you today is love. 
the way that we articulate the love of God. Listen, you're way too educated to not know how to do this. Listen, love is the education of the prophetic. If I do not love, if I do not know how to exhibit love, love isn't just a doormat. Lay down, let them run over you. Love is knowing what's needed in any environment and having the courage to do it. Do you not realize that together, I'm still in 1 Corinthians 3.16, you have become God's inner sanctuary in that the Spirit of God makes His permanent home in you. Whether you are aware, we're spending a whole month of October becoming more aware of where the presence of God is and what the world we're doing. <laughs> right? Have you ever gone all day and didn't think about Him? Well, He was, th- he was in there going, Hello? <laughs> His, he may, this is this has always been God's desire. He has always wanted to dwell with his people. He's always, listen, the God of the universe has always wanted you to realize he's just trying to make a home in you. You know, the, I've been preaching, I preached a message a couple of Wednesday nights. The thief has one thing in mind. When he hoodwinks us, we don't realize we're God's temple. We're going to talk about temple builders here coming up. Cece's getting this whole amazing revelation. I'm having her hold it in tension. She loves that. It's her favorite thing when I say, hold it. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 6. Listen to this. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If we went around doing whatever I thought I could and get by with it, I would be a slave to my whims. Now, I wanted to start this little part with that because it's really important that we realize the value of how God made humanity. I read that scripture a couple weeks ago about how Jesus completely understands your humanity. Just say to yourself, say to your neighbor, I love your humanity. How does that feel? Do you love your humanity? Listen, it's hard. It's really hard. Because what's the first thing you think about when you think about your little human being self? Negative, negative. But no, not the father saying, my beloved. My beloved. The one I adore. You're the apple of my eye. You're the center of my attention. When I begin to feel this affection and intimacy from the God of all you, I would do anything in the world that he said do. Because he would never change his mind. He, he wouldn't ask me to do something that would change that viewpoint. That's why we have to get new definitions for love. New definitions for intimacy. New definitions for beloved. So, just because I can do something 
doesn't mean I should. Have you learned this lesson yet? Listen, you're pretty much mostly adults in here. You can do whatever the heck you want to do. You don't even have to tell anybody. You got your own money, some of you. Got your own money, right? See, when I raise the value of my humanity, I raise the value of what I allow myself to do. Because you can read on down, but let's go way on down. Verse, I'm in the message, so who knows what verses is, somewhere around 2019. Don't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Now, see, when I came out of religion, I had to learn this. I even spoke in tongues. But I didn't realize that this is the place the Holy Spirit dwells. He's the animator. He's the come alongside. He's the wisdom. He's the spirit of revelation. I read it in Isaiah 11. He is all those things and so much more. And when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to leave you another comforter, another savior. Why? Because in this life, to do what God's called you to do, to be a watchman on the wall of your own life, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the active participation of the Holy Spirit. And I personally allow Him or don't allow Him. One of the quickest ways to begin to have the Holy Spirit's activities become more prominent is through obedience. There is not one thing... See, I love the Holy Spirit... He doesn't like bad habits. I mean, he just doesn't because he can't get in there. You know, habits are funny. I talk to a lot of people about habits. Habits are funny because I formed them before I knew who I was. And now that I begin to have a little bit of revelation about who I might want to be, then I have to establish new habits. The new habits are hard when old habits are still in place. It's the breaking of old things. And see, the first way that I can break it is I begin to understand the value for not doing it. It talks about it right here in this chapter. You can eat whatever you want. You can have sex whenever you want because you're free. You can do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day... If it's not in line with what the Holy Spirit wants to do with your life, all you're doing is delaying His activity. Listen, I want the Holy Spirit to have His way through me. I want to do what Shudi sang tonight. I want that to be, that was the most exciting song I've heard in a long time because I want him to flow through me. I don't want to get in the way. I don't want my old habits to get in the way because I did them and I made them to survive, but they have nothing to do with my anointing. And when I don't pay attention to who I am, when I don't pay attention to my calling, when I don't pay attention to my anointing, I've developed so many weights behind me that I end up dragging weight every day and then just to sleep. I mean, I've been there. I'm just telling you my story. I have to take something to sleep. It's just not his way. 
He's the Prince of Peace. If there's the one thing He can give, He can give peace. If there's the one thing that He can protect, it's your sleep. It's the one thing that that's the place He speaks. He wants to give us God dreams. He doesn't want us just to excuse out of life for three or four hours, eight hours, whatever you got. He wants us to experience Him 24-7, whether I'm asleep, whether I'm awake, because He has an assignment. He has a message for you. He has a way that He wants you to operate in life, and He is just begging for you to come partner with Him. Don't you realize that your body is a sacred place? It's the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't just live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. I am just telling you, this may feel really lofty to you, and you may not know how to do this, but this is what God's calling this generation to do. That's why there's such an assignment and assault on our identity, on people's bodies, on what they do with their life, what they do with their bodies, because this is what the Holy Spirit is pouring out right now. And listen, to get in the flow of the Holy Spirit, just step in the river. You know, when I went to Bethel, we went through this Art Sozo so we could do them here. And we do do them here. If you need an Art Sozo, just come on over. We'll do one for you. But listen, in this Art Sozo, I was drawing this picture. And they lead you through, I don't know, 10, 12 steps. It's a lot of steps. And when I got to this part, you know, it's kind of a setup. You don't know where you're going with it. The Holy Spirit's just leading you. You're just... Paint, I'll just paint that. Paint that, okay, I'll paint that. And before you know it, a little picture is right there before your eyes. And in this picture, I was in the river and I was in this boat. And see, the one question I had, was I just never wanted to lose his revelation. And when I looked down at the picture, He said, I'm the boat. Now, I was in the boat, and I was just laying in the boat. Like, you lay in a boat. Not in a canoe, because that'll tip over. But in a real boat. I have a story about a canoe tipping over right now. It's coming to my mind. And he said, I'm the boat, as long as you stay laying down. Now, see, I'm a a tasker. Laying down didn't sound (laughs) like what I should be doing. But I can tell you all these years later, that's the one thing I have to do. I can never give that up. And see, when God speaks to you and says, this is the one thing, I'm never getting out of the boat. I'm never getting out of the position of rest. I'm never going to be standing up here on this platform and preaching out of striving. I want his flow more than I want my way. And my way is no good compared to his flow. And see, the places that he'll take you and the people that you'll see, he will show you your anointing as you go. 
Don't you love that? Don't you love? That's, that is the place of the watchman. Isaiah 62 says, I've posted watchmen on your walls. Day and night they keep at it. Praying, calling out, reminding God to remember. I love, I love that scripture so much because see, I'm a watchman on your wall. Everybody in here, I have been up and I have prayed for you when you did not know. Every single person in this room right now. And see, when you know that you're a watchman, and you are, everybody in this room is a watchman at least over your own life. If you're a husband, you are a watchman over your family. If, you're, if you work at a job, you are a watchman over your company. See, when I begin to say, oh, I'm the watchman. It first is birthed in prayer. Cry out day and night, night and day for what God has made you a watchman over. Don't ever come down. Don't ever look around and see who's with you. See, watchmen, they don't care because they're leaning forward. They're looking out. They're saying, who's coming? Remember, I preached that message on he's taught my fingers to war. Apply that here. (laughs) A watchman knows they're called to watch. And what do you do when you watch? You pray. So my prayer for you tonight is that you will take on the attributes of a watchman. You're not good at it. That's not the point. The point is practicing. The point is practicing where you're at right now. Don't listen. We get, we've got to quit trying to be somebody and just be what I know to be today over the place that I've been planted and just see what he'll do. Let's close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your message tonight. We just thank you that you've given us this physical body here on this earth. And right now I just release the presence of God to raise the value of who we are just as humanity. Oh, we just breathe in the name of Yahweh today. Every single breath is given to us by Him. And Papa, I just pray tonight that as you're releasing these messages in this series, that that you'll begin to see a way to show us success in every area that we choose to take on this challenge tonight, that we're watchmen. I pray that I know there's people in this room that know specific people there to pray over. And I pray that those prayers will begin to avail much, that they'll begin to see tides turn, change happen. I thank you that you intended to place us somewhere that was chaotic so we could bring peace to it. So let us not be nervous about the chaos. Let us not be nervous about the unrest. But right now, I just say, Spirit of the living God, speak through us, through the flow of your Spirit, to set those places right. We release the anointing through our humanity to make those changes. In Jesus' name. 
for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.